I'm out of here. Hope you enjoyed tonight's show. Uh, if you're a member of our Patreon family, I will be on Patreon tomorrow night at 10.05 after NXT. Uh, I originally was going to take Wednesday off, but since it looks like I'm going to be recording that conversation with Misha Montana on Thursday, uh, Wednesday should be still in place, so I'll be here Wednesday night. And I, I wasn't going to say this publicly, but I'm going to say it anyway. There's a certain podcast show, TV show, that I actually respect and enjoy. It's a wrestling show. It's on television. And um, apparently they're not a fan of Misha Montana, which I which is fine. I respect that. You know, not like friends. But, uh, you know, this person went out of their way to say to me, oh, there's no reason for you to do this interview. Another place already interviewed her. Yet this show... Their entire history on being on TV is interviewing people who have been interviewed thousands of times in their lifetime. You know, I'm having a conversation with her. I'm not having an interview. Sure, we're going to talk about some XPW stuff. We're going to talk about her health scares, you know, having heart surgery, the stroke. We're going to talk about Matt Riddle. We're going to talk about a few things. We're going to talk about mental health. We're going to talk about some of the reasons why the guy was off TV. We're not going to get too deep into it. It's not my place to get that personal. But, you know, we're having a conversation just so people get a feel as far as what's going on. And um, that's all it is. So for anybody to tell me, oh, you don't need to do it, someone else, I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I just, uh, just thought that was a little bit much to say it nicely. So, but I don't want to spend too much time on this, but because it is something that has taken over almost the... Uh or dominating the pr live premier chats that we have, and I consider it a waste of time, uh, about two wastes of time as far as I'm concerned. You have a wannabe Andrew Dice Clay and a wannabe Howard Stern wearing their sunglasses at night um, that do this program out of New York. I don't know them. They could be fine human beings for all I know, aside from their little personas that they try and project. But for whatever the odd reason, it seems like a lot of their programs, or at least the links that are sent to us by the fans, are dominated around our shows about, about me, you know, being the uh, uh, Joe Exotic of professional wrestling, abusing all of the, uh, the wrestlers like Joe Exotic did to his Tigers at his amusement park or whatever that was down south. And you, there was a video with the thumbnail of you from the uh, TD Garden sold out with over four million people watching you on the USA Network saying that you're the most boring man in professional wrestling. Wow, that's a surprise. Because if they saw the... There are a couple of guys up in Long Island, New York, named Monty and the Pharaoh. For whatever yeah. reason... Bullies. I don't know what it is, but for whatever bad, reason, bad bullies. Absolutely. They, they are bullies. Yeah, go up, reason, guys. Come on. Y'all are Monty grown men. don't like me. Monty used to like me a lot. They need to get a life. You know that? Get but a life. Y'all are grown like men. You. Grown men. Get a life. Exactly. Get a, exactly. Get a life. You're grown Get men. a damn life. There. So, I, I mean, said you, it. You get off picking on a 63-year-old man. You know, go ahead. Yeah. Get That's a damn funny. life. Really. Go for it. You know, a 63-year-old disabled man, by the way, too. Yeah. Get a life. I dare you to say something about him. If you have um, something to say to Angelo, say it to me. Come on. I dare you. Well, you just invited Come on. wrestled in, in Puerto Rico and Japan and was fantastic for Ring of Honor. And I just want to give one other quick um, uh, memorial to the passing of Monty and the Pharaohs YouTube show. 
And I'm glad that, that that's one thing I am glad to see dead and buried. And I hope that they put it in like the same, like take they take all the videos and put them in the same place that they stored all those Atari ET uh, cartridges that they buried out in the desert in a in a in a toxic waste dump because that's where that stuff belongs. And by the way, Monty, fuck you. I'd like to just give a quick shout out. Fuck you and the horse you rode in on. Thank you very much. We can continue. Okay. The opinions of the rest, those might not re reflect the, the rest of us. Not that. No, but it completely reflects my feelings about mine. That's your. He that's shouted your, out me on his show. Kind of I'm sorry. Come out. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jonathan, wait, let's let Jonathan say here. Yeah. I was just going to say, I suspect there might be some kind of backstory here, but. Yeah, um, there is. And he, he took his time out of his last show to bash me and Evan personally. So I'd like to personally take time out of my show to bash him completely. One of the two shows is still on the air and the other one is dead and buried. A receipt. Let me get to a little humor. Welcome to Long Island's number one pro wrestler broadcast, Monty Nefaro, only seen here out of Indie Music TV, straight out of Ron Kakama, Long Island, at the bench, Spidey's in Puerto Rico, Viva Puerto but we Rico. made the call to the bullpen, and there's the mighty Abe in the house, Abe, how are you, bud? I'm doing good, how are you guys doing? Glad to have you, man, you look great, Thanks, I love man. seeing you, should, should Abe say hi to Maria? Sure, why Spidey, not? Abe say hi to Maria, out in how Pittsburgh. How you doing, Maria? There we go. There <laughs> you go. Maria getting love from our producer. Yeah, a little well, roll know, call. Keeping it consistent. JB2 in the house. ESO, who has the after show at, every Thursday at 1030. How are you digging the uh, after show? He Farrah? broke out old magazines. What a mark I am. You I was like, this up? is great. Show me what's on page 46. But did he show the pictures of yeah, it? Yeah, he was showing stuff. Oh, yeah, it was man, cool. Dude, Very I'm cool. a little jealous. I Very didn't cool. see it. Yep. RJ Hudson. Roy in the house. Phil. What is up? What is up? Good to see you. Stingers. Uh, what is up? Mitch Seinfeld working hard out of Maryland, making himself some money. Mitch will be a guest on the show in a couple of weeks. Mitch, Mitch. Cha-Ching Seinfeld. Mitch Cha-Ching Cha What's up, Seinfeld. Mitch? Seinfeld. What is up? John in the house. Who else we got? Matthew Holland. Always good to see you. The BS Express saying, book the match, Monty versus Angelo. I don't know, man. He says he's old. He's <laughs> yeah. Our age. We should put dentures on a pole, but you don't have any, so we'll put his up there. Dentures on a pole match. Yeah, why not? You might get bit. You might. That match, I hope it doesn't wind up being long in the tooth. Real real serious <laughs> note, guys. I just want to uh, take a little personal time for myself. I want to say one thing. Okay. Um, over the weekend, or last Friday, I got a call from my wife that a friend of the family passed. His name was uh, Steve Michelson. Um, and the reason I'm bringing it up on the show, Farrell, because I don't think I ever shared this with you, but I think you should know. Um, okay. Steve um, 
was the husband of my wife's friend from work. Uh, I eventually became, you know, friends with him. Not super friends with him, but I always found him to be very entertaining and a nice guy. And we broke bread quite a few times. Went to a Rolling Stones concert. Huge oh, Rolling wow. Stones nice. fan. Nice. But the one thing is he, you know, he didn't know that uh, we did a show, right? Okay. And I remember one day we went over the house for dinner or something like that. And he goes, hey, man, I was in the room. And I caught the Monty and the Farrow show. And he goes, me and my wife now watch it every week. <laughs> and then he used to say That's to great. me all the time, he goes, you guys don't realize you got something going on there. And every time I saw him after, that's all he used to say to me all the time. He's like, very cool. And I was like, but I was sad to find out that Steve passed away. And, uh, you know, again, I went to his, what do you call a Jewish funeral like is it awake or sit and shiver well we, i said sit and shiver afterwards right? afterwards it's just so it's what the, just a ceremony usually yeah. afterwards it's not we we don't you, uh, you we throw, don't take the long way home you throw the dirt on the yeah yeah that's mm -hmm. so i i did not yeah. partake in that my wife did okay I felt, I felt weird that's okay honestly i don't look, know look it's a personal choice that's fine you know I don't know why I felt weird about it, dude. Honestly, I don't know what bothered me about it. Maybe the final finality of it was could really be. getting to me. It it could be. You obviously thought he was a good person, and how old? Was it, can I ask how old? Sixty six. Too young. I mean, look. Too young. Yeah, for us, it's too young. You know, when you were eighteen, still, did you think sixty six was young? Um. Yeah, I used to think that, you know, 75 to 80. By the way, not to veer off, what are you growing, a Coke now there? I a just what? caught that. You're growing a Coke now? you got long fingernails, dude. You grow your nails That's out. for self-defense because Matthew Holland keeps saying weird things. Does he get a scratch on like a cat? Yeah, meow. Absolutely. Have you seen me with a litter pan? I'm deadly. I'm like, you know. Holy <laughs> Jesus. But anyway, I want to say Steve was a great man, and I, I only hope that... um. The afterlife uh, treats him as well. He he was a fun, fun guy. You would have loved him. You would have loved him. He sounds cool. He was your type of guy. How was the Stones? Funny thing is I was starting a new job at that time, and, you know, I don't really ever get sick except Can I ask for the heart year? surgery. How many right? years ago? long time ago. Okay. They played uh, Giant Stadium. Nice. But I was sick, so we took a limo, and... Mm -hmm. uh, I remember Steve wouldn't roll roll up his window, and I got really pissed off. I was going to kill him. I seriously was going to beat the shit out of him. Because <laughs> well, you weren't feeling well, right? Yeah, you and he's just like, out of the window now, smoking weed. And I'm like, dude, like, I'm fucking freezing. Would you have a cold or a You didn't go with a fever, did well, you? Well, I was starting a job the next day, and it right. was like, I couldn't go to work sick. Right. And I never get sick. And I'm like, dude, fucking roll up your window. Okay. Okay. Well, you know. It's the Stones, man. What do you do? Roll up the Pretenders opened for them. How were they? Disappointing. And I'm a big Remember, I'm a big Pretenders guy. Well, you only saw half the Pretenders anyway, right? So I mean, Chrissy Hines was there, right? Chrissy Hines was Martin Chambers, at least playing the drums. I, I mean, they lost the other remember. two. They lost uh, the guitarist yeah, well, and the bass player when we years, young. And, yeah, when we yeah, young, years and years back. You know who discovered them, don't you? Mm -mm. Pete Townsend. Really? Yeah, he loved them. He was a big fan. He pushed them to the moon. Did you know that Pete Townsend did not get along with Roger Daltrey? 
I hear these things, but there must be some sort of understanding after, I don't know, 50 years of making music together. I think they've learned to tolerate each other. That's what I'm saying. It's like, come on, it sounds a little ridiculous. You, you know? don't really get along. Yeah. Like, you don't see each other until you play. It's they like, play all the time. Well, now they're not going to. They're finally stopping, as you probably heard. So. All right. I'm, I'm gonna, we usually open up with some real news articles, but I thought we had so much wrestling stuff. We got a great, uh, a great guest coming on after Absolutely. the break. Um, Absolutely. But we're going to start with this. Um, mm-hmm. We named the show, uh, sorry, bouncing all over the place, uh, Face Reality, right? And so this week on Twitter, uh, on a, the, someone had put a tweet out, like something like about Wheelie Yuta, right? AEW's Wheelie Yeah, Yuta. right. All so right. some dude, uh, at Knees Strike Life, um, posted something on Wheelie Yuta, right? Okay. Like, Yo, oh, something to the fact that, you know, AEW, he, they were pushing him and they stopped pushing him and I'm pissed off. You know, the usual nerd. Gotcha, you, like rave, raving about. You know, eh. you know. So I don't know. So Kevin yeah. Nash must have had a hair up his ass. And the guy should have been happy that Kevin Nash even tweeted back. Hells yeah. Right? <laughs> and Kevin Hells Nash, yeah. I think, responded like, don't worry, no one's watching. <laughs> right? So it sounds again, like Kevin Nash. Again, That's in great. jest, it's wrestling, on, right? It's funny. Right? It's funny. So this Nash guy goes out of, his, out of his way to say, neither's your son. See you next Tuesday. He... Nash says, you know, don't worry about it. No, no one's, one's watching. watching. And this guy responds, neither is your son, C-word. Yes. That's what this guy said? Yeah. Well, there's a steaming pile of inept wrestling horse shit. Wow. Did Nash, I hope Nash didn't even say anything after that, right? Uh, this did guy, Nash they, say anything? The guy, the guy took himself off. So. Oh, he did. So yeah. he ran away with his keyboard and buried himself in the backyard before Nash could do it for him. Very interesting. See, well, doesn't this just hammer home my point all the time that, you know, a keyboard, believe it or not, is a personal responsibility. You want to be, you want to be like this, you, you don't deserve a keyboard. You don't even, but, I'm not sure you deserve dinner. About the fact you should go to your room and stay is, there. This is fake wrestling. Well, this is insanity. And, okay. And Kevin Nash says a funny, like, I thought are, it was you, funny. are you this? I think it's funny what he said. It, it's funny. It's fucking it's funny. It's funny. It is funny, and it's typical Kevin Nash clever. Uh, uh, and you're, you're so funny. invested in Wheel of Yudot, you got to take a shot at the guy's d- dead, dead son. Dead child. Dead child. So, what are you thinking, dude? Um, Get control of yourself. He's got no fucking brain. The guy's a complete loser, and the worst part is is, is, is that the taxpayers will probably someday have to pay for one of his dumb God, court, this, court cases. This wrestling guy's stuff. He's an idiot. This wrestling stuff sometimes... Did Nash respond? I'm ask, I asked again. I, the guy took his I hope his not. I hope he didn't even bother with him. I guess, he, I guess there was nothing to respond to. We disagreed. The guy took his sight down. Okay, that's the way it works. All right. Phil says that uh, both uh, Roger and Pete have hearing loss. John says he worked concessions. John, maybe we ran into each other. I was a sick guy under the blanket. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, the stadium was open too. Was there a breeze? You were probably yeah, pissed was, about that. God! Cold. God! Stop that breeze! I got a job tomorrow to start. Other things that have gone too far. Yeah. Sunday, right? Uh, MJF threw some water on some kid. Oh, here we go. In the, uh, in the crowd. I know I had to cover this uh, stupid story. Go and ahead. it looked like some harmless fun, but right. the wrestling uh, the wrestling world is in an uproar. Yeah, uproar. That, you know, ahead. just like the wrestling world was in an uproar a couple of weeks ago, we showed that video of 
the mother in front of her child telling Roman she was in love with him. How dare she? And wanted, to, and wanted to have some crazy sex with him. Yeah. And the wrestler. But now, yeah. he threw some water oh my God. on a kid. I can't believe it. I just can't believe it. But even better, why don't you tell everybody what AEW uh, decided to do about it? So AEW, AEW decided to put out its code of contact, uh, conduct mm -hmm. for its fans. Okay. Okay? And here are the rules. Here are the rules. If you have a seat on the floor, you are at the risk of being struck by persons, objects, barricades, <laughs> barricades. And other items. Barricades, the cloth with the cheap metal. It's not like back when uh, we used to go, really. Why would Come I on. get hit by a barricade? Be anyway. aware of the action uh. as you are watching and move out of the way if someone or something is coming your way. By staying in the area, you assume all risks and injuries to yourself and your property. Now, let me, I'm not, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a lawyer. I'm dying to say it. But, but I would ahead. hate to think that this stupid, like, if I don't move, it's my fault. No, I'm sorry. That's this, not going to hold up in court. This incident, this incident that happened with this kid who's allegedly not a plant, which right. I still doubt anyway, but let's not get into that. Whatever. Allegedly right. not a plant, and it was genuine, and he threw a, These rules don't apply to that. Wow. Oh, here, yeah, comes, here comes MJF. Head for the third row. It's a, what are you talking about? There's no defense for what MJF did. This doesn't cover it. And guess what? If the kid's really upset and psychologically damaged, and that's what the attorney says so, you better cut a check, AEW, and tell MJF to stop flinging shit at people. That's what I think. That this doesn't My cover God, it. Are we as a nation this soft? I, I'm just, I'm addressing the softness. I'm not agreeing with it. Right. I'm telling you, that's just, exactly what again, could happen. But again, let me ask you something. That's exactly if, what could happen. If MJF. Yeah. All right, so perfect example. Yeah. We, we're going to bring up some examples, and then we're going to get to our uh, special guest, yeah. Sal Corrente, uh, yeah. who wrote a wonderful book on the living legend, Bruno San Martino. Nice. Um, nice. The fan that was behind CM Punk when someone pushed CM Punk in the shoulder yeah. and CM Punk elbowed yes. him. CM uh, Punk approached the, the crowd. He went out there. He elbowed that guy. Right. To me, right. that guy has a case. Oh, right? He sure he does. Physically And he assaulted. elbowed the wrong guy, yeah, I right. think. I'm like, but he dude, was what are you doing? physically assaulted. Yes, he was. Okay. If you're in a crowd, yeah. okay, <laughs> the wrestler has no right at any time <laughs> to put their hands on you unless... Right. right. You You're... go past the barricade. Right. That's why it's there, everybody. Right. right. So that stupid warning is not alleviating AEW of any wrongdoing. None whatsoever. None whatsoever. Who came up with that? I'm Tony Khan. During a coke. By binge. the way, I gotta throw the during a coke binge. I got an idea. Very good. Write this. Very good. Very Take good. notes. By the way, just in case you think that the apple rolls too far from the tree, did you hear about the Jacksonville Jaguars locker rooms and facilities? No. They have rats. Really? They're at the bottom. They ring, did a survey. Ring rats. Ring they rats? did no rats. Rats. They had. A, they did a survey with each NFL team to check out how the facilities are. If you're being overworked, or if the practice is too long. So they, the, the, there's rats running rampant in, in, well, to be in Tony Khan's Jacksonville. It's wet, hot. Rats come around that. It's time, an but. NFL facility. There's rats running. Around. You're having rats for your breakfast. What they're trying to eat? There's a rat. 
Listen, I take offense when you call Ruby Solo a rat, all right? So I didn't just call stop her it. a rat. Well, you say she runs around the, the arena. I, I didn't say Ruby. I said rats, real rats. Oh, real rats. Yeah, real rats. So not Ruby Solo. No, Tony Khan's pop is like running a very disgusting kitchen. That's a bad person. For his NFL players. All right, so before we get Awful. to our guests, I want to run across some things that yeah. have happened, and you tell me what you think if the fan is at fault or the wrestler is at fault. Okay. Your thoughts, okay? Yeah, sure. All right. So during one of Chris Jericho's heel promos, he went to the crowd and stated uh, and started insulting him. Apparently, some of the fans couldn't resist the joy of having Jericho so close to them, and they had to touch him. Well, Jericho, well for Jericho, it seems to be against the law for hypocrites to have to touch them, so he warned, warned the person not to do so. Okay. Guess what? The person did not listen. So Chris Jericho had to restate his previous statement again. It seems like the person listened after the second time. Let's be fair warning to any audience members, whenever Chris Jericho's in the arena, don't touch Jericho. Whose fault is that? The fan or Jericho? Jericho handled that very well. Wait, wait. The fan or Jericho? He went into the crowd. Right. The crowd but he asked touched him, not... him. Okay, but you know something, though? It is still your own personal space. Don't touch me. And he asked him nicely. So he crossed the barricade. He should have. He crossed the barricade. Okay, so what does this mean? They can drop his pants? Oh, wow, you're in our area. Yeah. No, he, no they can't. Come on, be realistic here. D don't touch me. Dude, i got to be honest, okay? Good. Can you explain this to me since we're on this particular Good. subject? Good. What is with the need? Maybe you can explain it. For a regular, everyday fan watching the athlete or whatever, what is the need to have to touch them? Any I was never one of them. I've never understood this. I have to touch them. Because people can't control themselves. What, what, are we laying hands? What the hell are we doing Listen, here? you're right. I, don't, I, I don't fuck. I got to be honest, okay? If I was, you know what? This actually did happen. I was performing, jumped off the fucking stage, stuff. Okay, fine. Don't fucking touch me. I'm so, performing right now. So when Missy Hyatt was here me. and we were taking photos with she her. She can touch me put, all she wants. And, but that's okay. Yeah, that's perfectly, that's Missy Hyatt. Oh, so you make rules. I have flexible rules. flexible rules. Oh, yes. so it's, you roll which way. Right. Well, you know, I knew you would. Let's, Every let's, time I'm you bring up Missy Hyatt, you know what the answer's going to be. The WWE came oh, to Cape Town, geez. South Africa in the wrestling machine, and there's a great one, uh, whatever. So Randy Orton gets attacked by a wrestling fan in the ring. Hits him in the nuts. Yeah. Who's at fault? Well, He's it's, in not, the ring. it's not Randy. I'm just asking. I mean, that's obvious. What are you doing there in you the go. fucking because ring? Because the fan left the barricade right. and went to the ring. So right. you gave Jericho a pass for doing, breaking okay. his rule. But well, the here's kid, the difference. Here's the difference. Yeah. Okay? Well, you're not going to have 20,000 wrestlers run into the audience. You can have 20,000 people decide, I all want to go and touch Randy Orton. All right. Slight all right. difference, right? All right, how slight about... Slight difference? Slight difference. Okay. WWE Bash at the Beach, 1996. With, oh, this was great. Uh, great. Single most important events. Ah. Hall Nash gave their beatings. Um, you fans can stick it, brother. And, oh, so uh, great. let's see, like just about every other fan that invaded WCW show uh, were taken out. Oh, I so remember, was, I remember that dude came into the yeah. ring and he got his, and got he got his ass kicked. Yeah, Whose fault is that? That's his fault. He's an idiot. He's a complete idiot. That was a great beating, too, by the way. That was, that was a, was Scott Hall putting the boots right. to him. Uh, there were awesome. so many times that WCW wrestler were accosted by a fan before their crack security <laughs> team could get there. 
No, what he expect? Was that guy Seamus or whatever? Oh, yeah. Wait that? a minute. I remember the security the guy. There was guy, that, right? that one guy yeah. all the time. Yeah. That topic would be another list. But getting attacked from behind while cutting Sheamus. a promo <laughs> to get more than a little jarring. So remember the fan who attacked Raven when he I'm, was sitting against the ring? Let me tell you. Let me tell you something. That may be one of the most pissed off moments I could You know I love Raven, right? right? I was so pissed off, man. I wanted Raven to get to him. All I right. wanted Raven to get to him and, and beat the living. So fan fault. What are you doing? Broke the barrier. Choke you out right. by the by the steel post. All right. How about the time where Terry Gordy pushes the fan? Check out the video. Oh wow! Check this out. Yeah, he was talking a lot of shit. I still. Hey hey hey! He's past the barricade. There was no he's barricade. Yeah, it is. No, there's a there's a there's a metal thing right there. When you look again, it's look again. That he's the and that's the barricade. That's the line. He overstepped it. Terry knew it, and down you go. <laughs> By the way, Beautiful. I always to this Beautiful. day thought that was nope. a rigged thing. Oh, it could be. It could Back be. Back in the day. Yeah, it probably could be. So, fan Terry totally in front of the rope. Terry's Terry in the right. Him. Terry's in the right. And don't touch him. Because he passed he, the rope. And don't touch him if he goes past the barricade. What's your need to touch somebody? What's wrong with you, weirdo? Yeah, unless it's <laughs> Missy Hyatt. Unless it's Missy Hyatt. I'd like... Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, anyway, listen. let's before let's get to our guest. I want to, before commercial break, uh, on Saturday, guys, join us at 3.30, where Abe will be at the desk, uh, where we have Sinister Minister with Max the Impaler in. I bypassed the uh, war to settle the score where the cops jumped the ring because they thought Piper attacked Cindy <laughs> Lauper. Now, wait a minute. What are the cops doing crossing over the barricade? Yeah, that's right. What are they doing? They, Drawing they, guns. Yo, Drawing guns, by DDT, the way. DDT, baby. You go. Okay. And then on March 30th, we have the pitchman Mitch Seinfeld in the house. All right. Uh, oh, March 19th, which is the following Saturday, 11 a.m., we've got PG-13 in studio. <laughs> what you going to do, brother? The, there you go. That's going to be a rough one. And May 5th, Manny Monty Nefaro against PG-13. Can't get much realer than that. Mm. We'll be putting a video the following week of... I got an added video. I got an videos. idea. Go ahead. I'm going to put up a barricade around this table. That's right. And if they cross and it, and you can't cross it. That's right. Because if you do cross it, it's on. I'm sorry. Oh, that's a great idea. I'm sorry. I yeah. think I think that's right. I think that'll work. May 5th. Very excited to have Manny Fernandez in studio and Tommy Rich making his fourth appearance. Wow. To the right is the star of the show, Mr. Jimmy Farrell, along with his partner. Bart Griggs, make up the band Wisteria Hall. Bart, man. Wisteria Hall sings such great songs as In My Dreams, This Life, Not Far Behind, Here Comes a Rain. You can find their music on the Wisteria Hall YouTube page. Hit that like and subscribe. Please, guys, promote the Monty and the Pharaoh new channel on YouTube. Hit that like and subscribe. YouTube is holding us down, but we are trying to fight through it. Um, fight catch through Wisteria it, Hall's shall. music on Spotify, Apple Music, and Reverb Nation. Monty and the Pharaoh, if you didn't know it, is Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast. You can catch us on the Monty and the Pharaoh YouTube page, Monty and the Pharaoh Facebook Live page. Hear us on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Anchor. Catch us on the Monty and the Pharaoh Twitch TV page or where all audio programs are downloaded. If you're lucky enough to live in New York, catch us on Channel 115 every Tuesday at 9 p.m. and Saturday at 11.30 a.m. And Channel 20 on Tuesdays at 7 p.m., we're in the combination over 150,000 viewers are watching us weekly. And if that's not enough, there's an app out there. It's a new app. It's called Intuitive, I-N-T-U-U-T-I-V-E Network. Monty and Farrell have been chosen by them to be their first television broadcaster 
the the uh, the app is free, and it basically has like documentaries, movies, crime series, and you now get Monty and the Pharaoh, where you get to see this illustrious library of all these wonderful stars. Where you'll be seeing Sal Corrente within a, a couple of days also. I would like to say, though, I feel it is my duty to point out the shirt you're wearing. Oh, thank you. Do you folks see this? And I hope you're wearing shades at home because this is one loud shirt. We've got every wrestler that ever wrestled. You got the Hulkster. I see Big Boss Man Big right boss there. Man's There's there. the Million Dollar Man. Million Dollar Man. Wait a minute. Bret Hart and went to wait, China. Wait, he's made in China. Bret, made they in China. put they, they put the Made in the China shirt. over Bret Hart on the front Hakeem, of the shirt. Hakeem, the African Dream. I, I see Piper right there. Got a little Piper. Yeah. Got Sergeant Slaughter right here. Look at this. Can't Are those all the action figures, by the way? Because they look sure, like the action they figures. sure do look like the action figures. Boy, is that a cheese fest. I love my wife. It's She's a crazy. cheese fest. We'll be right back with special guest Sal Corrente with what we're calling Monty Nefaro present face reality as it is, not as it was, or as you wish it to be. We shall return in a second. You need a body shop? You need engine repair? Auto Excellence, Collision Specialists, 631-261-6420. That's 631-261-6420. Auto Excellence. And APB, American Protection Bureau, voted number one best on Long Island for all your security needs. Call 631-390-9050. That's 631-390-9050. APB. All right, welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestler and broadcast, Monty Nefaro. Uh, Phil says he thought I was going to Puerto Rico in this shirt. <laughs> He looks like a tablecloth. Anyway. He does. But anyway, we want to thank our guest. <laughs> Welcome, Sal Corrente. Sal, how are you, buddy? I'm okay. How about you? All right. I thank you for joining us. We're really looking forward to having this discussion with you. Uh, how's everything been going? Fine and dandy. Down here in South, South Florida, loving the warm weather. What's the temperature, Sal, if I may ask? Um, I don't know. It was in the 80s, but oh, I didn't. Beautiful. I don't pay enough attention. I only pay attention when it gets too low. There you go. Sal, where, have you always lived in Florida, or are you originally from up here in New York? No, I'm born and raised in Yonkers, New York, and then uh, Nikita Koloff moving down to Charlotte. Stayed there about 12 years, and then I came down to Florida. Now, how did that go about? How did you build a relationship with Nikita that he moved you? Uh, well, Nelson Royal was starting a territory, and uh, Nikita got me... Um, a tryout uh, with the first TV tapings he did at Mooresville High School in North Carolina. So I drove down for that, and uh, I was just supposed to do a match or two and just to, you know, let them look at me, and whoever was supposed to referee didn't show up. So I did all three hours of the TV, and uh, that's how that started. But I became friends with Nikita um, through Ivan, and uh, we hit it off pretty pretty well right away. Now – you, you're almost like a hidden secret in the wrestling world, right? Uh, like, how did you start your career? Did you start off as a wrestler, as a fan? How did it, how did it come about? Well, um, there's a guy who um, had partnered with me in the Wrestle Reunion events that I ran in 2005, uh, Anthony Atanasio. We grew up in the same street in New York. 
And he ended up meeting a guy through, uh, he had a refrigeration repair company, still does, much, much larger now. But uh, he went and did um, a job for a guy in our community who used to go down to TVs and arenas and take photos. He showed, you know, he told him what he does. He told him about me, said he could bring me to the house. That's how I found out the TV tapings were done in Allentown and Hamburg. And I started going down there with those guys. And uh, my first TV was the one where Buddy Rogers came back to the company. Mm. And uh, right there that day, I started doing security at the back door in Allentown and in Hamburg on the heel side. And, uh, you know, never looked back from there. And then, uh, you know, knew a lot of the guys, but met the uh, Wild Samoans through this, these guys. Dominic Marcello was the guy's name and Mike Devanzo. Those are the guys who really brought me in and, uh, and introduced me to everybody. Both, both of them from my uh, my hometown, Yonkers. Now, I, I might have missed this, but, like, you kind of went over it pretty quickly. How do you end up working security? Who who says, hey, Sal? Um, there was a doing? guy they knew. There was a guy they knew. I mean, security in Allentown wasn't that big of a deal. I would just let the wrestlers in and out the back door and make sure nobody else came in. But whoever the guy was that was running things down there, they introduced him to me and said they needed somebody to watch the back door. Did that was come? it. Yeah, that was probably the day I, the day I started. With it. That looks like Hamburg, so maybe it was the next day, but I'm not sure. But when Buddy Rogers was there, that's that's the day I started. Did you come across Vince McMahon, Jr. during those days? Not not hearing you guys. It's tough. Did, did you come across Vince McMahon Jr. in those days in the Allentown tape? Oh yeah, absolutely. Every TV he would be as soon as he walked out of the building, I'd get his briefcase, bring him to his car. And he'd be on his way. How would you describe him as a person? Just you know, just from your brief time with him, no issues whatsoever. You know, businesslike um, and uh, good. But he went pretty much straight to his car. Uh, but no, no issues whatsoever. Being security, anything crazy ever happened during those days? Not, not there. Um, you know, again, this was the '80s. It was Allentown. It was, um, you know, I. You know, Mel Phillips, the, the infamous Mel Phillips, famous Mel Phillips, whatever you want to say. Uh, this picture that you're showing here, actually, my belief is I'm the very first fan that probably got a picture of uh, Hulk Hogan with the belt. Um, we were in Allentown the day after Madison Square Garden. So more than likely, he got up in New York, headed straight there. And Mike Devanzo, uh, at this point, Dominic Marcello wasn't really coming to the events as much. Mike Devanzo, who knew Hulk on his first run through, brought me straight to the room and we took that picture. So it's always been my belief there really wasn't much opportunity for any fan to get a picture of him with the belt. Um, he hadn't even had it 24 hours when that picture was taken. Um, but, uh, you know, the heel side in Hamburg, the fans, and you had mostly the same fans coming all the time. And there was this woman and her son, they were just horrible people and yelling at Blassie and Albano back and forth. And, and, you know, those guys kind of egged them on even worse and, and so forth. And Mel Phillips eventually, and this woman was a big hulking woman and Mel Phillips, they eventually got into a fist fight. It was just a mess. The police came and, um, you know, took her away. But uh, other than that, uh, when the fans got too close to George Steele, I would just say, Hey, George, take a run through, would you? And they all scattered, yeah, you know, so there wasn't really much. It was more of making sure nobody wandered in that shouldn't and then going to get coffee for the guys. I mean, I was an 18-year-old kid and, um, you know, just coming around. Were you a fan growing up? 
I mean, like, you know, when you were smaller, were you a fan of wrestling? Um, I became a fan of wrestling in about the 10th grade. Before that, I didn't know anything about... The only reason I even started watching wrestling is um, the Mets were playing on the West Coast. Wrestling was going to be preempted at midnight. It was on at 5 o'clock. I didn't know that. And I was looking for baseball, and the Mets were on at 5. And I mean, uh, WWF was on at 5. And uh, that was it. So and, Sal uh, then I just started getting introduced to everybody. I put on my first show at a high school in Yonkers. Um, Howard Finkel introduced me to Ed Cohen. Um, Ed Cohen played a very monumental role in Vince McMahon's taking over the company. And uh, he set me up with a charity show. I had Roddy Piper, David Schultz, and um, Schultz, Piper, and Paul Orndorff in the main event against Rocky Johnson, Tony Atlas, and S.D. Jones. And um, we sold the place out. And then I had the first WrestleMania on closed circuit at Westchester Community High School in Valhalla, New York. And um, honestly, we didn't do good in sales the first couple of weeks. But as the New York City's venues um, started selling out, people were trending north. And it went from not selling any tickets to people driving us crazy day and night and people online at 8 a.m. for a one o'clock show and it was just a it was just a, a mess, but it was a great mess to have. Sal, what was your cut on the uh, closed circuit on WrestleMania one? Um, I'm not sure what the question is. I think I heard closed circuit. What was your cut, your percentage from WrestleMania one since you were running that event? Um, again, I'm, I'm sorry. From our perspective, the arena, it was completely packed, sold out. We were running around making sure fans were set. Um, that's the best that, I, you know, from what I'm understanding you to ask me, um, you, you know, it was a great event. We raised money for our school alumni association, Saunders high school in Yonkers, New York. So we were happy. I mean, people were being turned away, begging for tickets. I mean, there's just nothing more we could do. So Sal, you start off as a fan and then you start building these relationships with these wrestlers. You brought up Mel Phillips. Uh, was that whole situation upsetting to you as it unfolded later on in the years? Honestly, I didn't know anything about anything. Um, whenever I helped out uh, with Mel, it was during an event. I might take jackets or something like that. I didn't have any clue what was going on with anything. Um, so it was surprising to me to hear on the uh, on the back end, um, you know, I was more hung around with Professor Elliot Marin, if you know that name. Um, you know, he was uh, he was pretty involved. He was the guy. If you don't know that name, he was the guy that used to take the tapes from Allentown to Hamburg down at WOR in uh, New York. And I mean, basically, the whole company was in his hands. If he <laughs> and you know, Elliot didn't drive, never drove, could tell you how to get everywhere, but never drove a car in his life. And he, sometimes Mike and Dominic would drop him off. Other times he'd get other rides. But the bottom line is he was responsible for getting those tapes to WOR, and he did it. They wow. gave it to a guy who didn't even drive? It that's doesn't weird. make much sense, but that's the way it was. In those days, that's the way it was. <laughs> that's crazy. So, so what do you do in real life besides, you know, we know you for the wrestling, but what's your uh, regular uh, job or, you know, what do you do? Well... Since 1997, I was basically in the health club industry. Okay. Um, I uh, worked for a company called ABC Financial Services. It's now called ABC Fitness. I worked there 22 years. 
And um, I traveled the country nonstop. So when I put on the first Wrestle Reunion, you know, I was able to combine what I was doing. Like I'd go sit down with Roddy Piper across the table and say, this is what I'd like to do. Um, I went and sat with Buddy Rose and Colonel De Beers. This is what I want to do. If I had to meet with guys face to face, I was able to to do that and always do other things. I got involved. Now, this picture here that you're seeing, the guy in between me and Afa, that's Dominic Marcello. And the guy kneeling down in the front with the beard is Mike Devanzo. The other guy's Angelo Salvati. He was a friend of Afa's. And this is at Afa Jr.'s christening. But these are the two guys here, uh, Mike Devanzo on the bottom, Dominic Marcello up top. Those are the guys that got me in the business, introduced me to Afa and Sika. And, uh, you know, from there, things really started to take off. But uh, so I traveled the country teaching computers, um, eventually got another wrestler, Gar gorgeous Gary Royals, former NWA junior heavyweight champion. He also came to work for the company, traveled the world, um, teaching computers and and so forth as well. And uh, now I consult with various health clubs. One of them is actually in uh, Northport uh, Revolution Fitness. OK. Um, a gentleman named Vin Vinny DeRiso owns that. And, uh, you know, I've been working with him now for about eight months. So various independent health clubs around the country. And then I, I do other things. You know, I still line up appearances for people from time to time, autograph events, things like that. Are you the, are you the originator of the wrestling meet and greet? Or did you learn that from John Arezzi? Um, I'm sorry, am I the originator of what? The wrestling reunions or meet well my company greets. is my company is wrestle reunion small uh, big w big r and that's my thing i own it i've owned it i created it the whole the whole thing now that last picture you showed there that was when we toured australia uh jules strongbow cousin luke a local australian girl and then the gentleman that you probably don't recognize in the middle that's me in the referee shirt and that's okay. Stephen Nichols. He was played Patch on Days of Our Lives for about, oh, I don't know, on and off for 40 years. We were on a show called um, The Ray Martin Show. It was a big deal in Australia. He was like the Phil Donahue, and we were all on live. We, did, uh, we set up a wrestling ring there, and then he had just left Days of Our Lives. They were three years behind, so they sent him on a tour um, after he left the show in the States. Sal, one of your biggest claim to fames is the Bruno book. How did that come about? Well, um, to be very uh, to be very honest, um, the book was first put out over, I believe, ten years ago um, in its second edition. The book was done in the '90s. It turned into a mess. It was very poorly edited. Bruno got nothing from it. And Bruno's biggest concern was that fans would show up at autograph sessions and be telling him they had to pay $100 for the book because people would see he was making an appearance. They'd throw it on eBay. And to be quite honest with you, I'm not the kind of guy that can hear the same story over and over without trying to do something if I can. Mm. So I said, you know what, Bruno, if it's all right with you, I'm going to buy a couple of these books myself. I'm going to get somebody to scan it in a computer. We're going to edit it properly, or at least way better than it is now because it's, the editing was very poor. And uh, we put that book out. Um, that's been out, I think, since 2007. And uh, it's been, you know, sells monthly. Then when I heard Bruno became more open in his interviews, I said, Bruno, you know, these interviews I'm listening to, he said, well, Sal, what do, you, what do you expect me to do? He said, what, what, what do you, I said, Bruno, I don't expect anything, but if this is the way you're going to talk in interviews, why don't we update the book? 
There you go. I said, let's bring it forward from the 90s yeah. and let's pull some of this nonsense out and, and put in the real stuff. So that's what we did. He said, sure, do whatever you want. And uh, we spent hours and hours on the phone talking about this. And then um, the book was pretty much done. I had really just done the last interview with Bruno. And then um, shortly after he passed. And uh, myself and J.J. Dillon and Davey O'Hannon drove down to the wake. And uh, Carol San Martino said, what about the book? When she saw me and I said, well, I really haven't been pursuing it because uh, I didn't know what direction things obviously weren't going well. And she said, no, I think Bruno would want you to finish the book. You need to finish it. So then I went out and got Colin Bowman. I don't know if you guys know Colin Bowman. He used to be WCW Magazine. Brilliant guy that I was introduced to from by Jimmy Hart. And um, I asked Colin if he would participate in editing it. He did. Um, he's a huge reason for the success of the book. And, um, you know, like I said, we brought it forward. It's got like 568 pages. There's a black and white. There's a colored version. Um, the fans, the real Bruno fans want the color version. It's expensive because color printing's expensive, but I've never heard a complaint. And uh, that's how it came about. Um, you know, it wasn't something Bruno would have pursued. I can tell you that. He just, he was willing to let me do it. And she spent the time going over the stories, but that was about it. Where can fans get the Bruno book? Uh, Amazon.com. And I think you can buy it maybe through Barnes and Noble and stuff like that, but it's, it's placed with Amazon. Um, and it always has been. And, you know, I, it was suggested to me, maybe I should pull down the old version, but the truth is the old version keeps selling. If people want it, why not? Yeah. Um, but yeah. it solved the problem. Now, listen, this picture here, do you guys know who everybody in that picture is? Besides the guy in the gray Jack sweatshirt. That it looks see, like this Rocky. Wild, some, it's hard for me to see on our TV. I can see Rocky. Why don't you tell us? And I see you. Okay, Samoan. well, from left to right, it's Rocky Johnson. That's my cousin Jim. The reason I'm not in the picture is because I'm the one taking the picture. Okay. And then you've got Alpha. And then you've got The Rock at 13 years old next wow. to Alpha. Right, okay. Yeah, you can see it now. It's Rocky wow. Johnson, Samoan, and, and uh, Dwayne. Got it. People can't believe that Dwayne is only 13 in that picture, but no, he is. He, I've he probably looks, known him since he was about eight. He looks Eight 20. or nine, something like that. He looks like he's 20. <laughs> so I want to ask you this question. Uh, when Bruno passed, I was a bit surprised. Did you know he was ill, or was that a surprise to everyone? Uh, no, it wasn't a surprise. And uh, the uh, calls were not being returned. It was clear that something wasn't right. And then uh, I don't know if you know the name Blackjack Brown. That's the guy who actually introduced me to Bruno via the gab line that they had years ago in the 90s. I was a troubleshooting referee in those days, worked different territories, went down to Puerto Rico, got involved in stuff down there, referee of the year. And so they'd have me on to help move the conversation along. And Blackjack was a good man. And Bruno didn't know me from anybody. And I guess one day he said to Blackjack, hey, this guy that you have keep having on, who is he? And uh, so from there, we made friends. And then if you know the name Joel Goodhart, yep. um, Joel wanted to put together a match between David Sammartino and Larry Zabisco for the AWA title. But he wanted Bruno to be in David's corner, and Paul Dangerously was going to be in, in the uh, Zabisco corner. Well, <clears throat> you know, I intervened with Bruno to make that happen. So Bruno agreed to do this, and uh, that was the first time I met him in person. 
And from there, we just took off. We had a good deal. This was when Heyman was still carrying the old white phone and mm. and so forth. And the biggest thing I always get from that is Paul wanted to get into it with Bruno, but Bruno just was interested in making the current guy shine. Um, but he came, he did it, and uh, things just went forward from there. It's a real privilege to know Bruno. Uh, could you tell the fans what kind of person was Bruno San Martino? Um a 100% class act. It was a privilege to know him. Uh, most interviews I do, they people say, why me? And I don't have the slightest idea why me, other than I guess he felt he could trust me because anybody would have wanted to be in the position that I was in with him. Um, you know, we did numerous appearances all over. He, uh, he came down to Tampa for me and uh, in the winter, which Bruno didn't travel in the winter. But Wrestle Reunion 2005 was in uh, was in Tampa in January, and he came. And then he had had some health issues, and um, he came to California, which he did not want to do either. He was he was done traveling coast to coast, and, uh, and then he, when he got sick. The doctor told him to cancel. And before he walked in his hotel room, he looked at me. He said, "I want you to understand something." The doctor told me to cancel this trip. He said, I told him I can't do it. Anybody else, I cancel it. I can't cancel for this guy. Now, why did I deserve that? I got, I got no better answer for you other than I never misled the guy, never lied to the guy. Um, and knowing him really, truly was a privilege and, uh, and an honor. But uh, I got no, no idea how I drew the lucky ticket. Putting your personal feelings aside and your relationship with the legend Bruno Sammartino. Did you feel that Bruno, as he got older, got jealous? And I never understood his anger with Vince McMahon Jr. Do you have any answers for this? Well, I mean, look, he had his personal feelings about how things went down. And, and it really, I wouldn't say... I wouldn't single out Vince McMahon Jr. necessarily. Um, you know, things started back, and, and this is where Triple H, you know, came into things because with, without Triple H, no disrespect to anyone, I'm just being factual. Mm -hmm. And I talked about to Bruno about going in the Hall of Fame many times. We had numerous discussions about it and his personal feelings. But you got to understand this. You could take this all the way back to the beginning um, with the Stan Hansen issue when this thing was going bad with Anoki. And and, um, and Ali and and you know the company was in trouble. Mm -hmm. Nobody was buying the nobody was buying the closed circuit. Bruno got himself out of the hospital bed, went down there, was promised closed circuit money, never got it. The blame was put on Bob Arum. You, you know all of these different things over the years, and then of course, you know, um, you know Bruno Bruno did not want to get in the ring anymore. And it didn't matter if the people came to see him. That wasn't relevant to him. What was relevant is, and he even told me, he said, Sal, you never really saw me in my prime. But I was there when he, him and Tito Santana wrestled Savage and Adonis in the steel cage. In his prime or not, the people were completely out of their minds in the arena. But didn't that wasn't what meant anything to him. But if you talk to the honky-tonk man, um, you know, he'll tell you. They sold out everywhere they went. When I think he had to replace Jake Roberts for whatever reason. And um, the honky tonk band will tell you, no, that's Umaga there on my right, and of course Rosie on my left. Yep. Mm. This was at a a mm. tribute show, Yokozuna tribute show in uh, Allentown. 
But, uh, you know, Honky Tonk Man said, you know, basically with just a cry on across the bottom, they sold out everywhere they went. And, you know, what I've always said is this. When Bruno lost the title and left or gave up the title because, you know, he's the only guy I know of that ever gave titles up. If you saw Bruno was on a show, it was because they felt he was needed. And, you know, I don't know any promoters sitting around looking to book somebody who really doesn't want to come if they think they're selling the place out. Nobody's looking to throw extra money away. So that's it. Um, you know, you got the situation where he kept getting pushed into being in the ring and he didn't want to do it. And uh, who knows what else actually went on. So, But Vince uh, Jr. was the only one left to to have it go. And I will say, if it came down to Vince and Bruno. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> I'm feeling like I'm frozen. Let's see if we can get him back. That that sucks. Damn it. That right was, in the middle of some serious rolling. meat and potatoes. You what the kidding. fuck? Ah. Anyway. Sorry about that, guys. Oh, there is he is. Back? He's All back. Right. He's back. All right, we lost you for a second, Sal. Sal, continue, please. What was I saying? Sal, you there? I don't know if he can hear us now. Sal, can you hear us? Um, just like before. I will tell you this. I heard your commercials loud and clear, so I'm not <laughs> sure what's uh, <laughs> what's happening. But Sal, did you try? I know like Triple H does deserve the credit. For finally getting Bruno and Vince on the same page. But before that, you knowing Bruno, did you ever try to say to him, come on, Bruno, make nice. Maybe you make the call. You belong in the hall. Did you have those conversations? We had every conversation you could imagine. Ugh. But, you know, everything goes the way it goes. And I think things happen the way they happen for a reason. And. Um, you know, sometimes when you get a cooler head, a non-emotional head, because Triple H was not involved. Now, of course, Bruno, you know, told him everything, what he felt, but, you know, he wasn't involved. He was a neutral party who just wanted the right thing to happen. And, uh, you know, I appreciated it. I very much appreciated it uh, because I had already was bringing Bruno to an autograph event and uh, Triple H replaced Bruno with Steven Regal and, uh, you know, the way he handled the thing. Um, was fantastic, and I did bump into Triple H for the first time. We'd never met, but I did bump into him about a month ago down here, and I and I told him, um, you know, uh, that it was all him. But he but he pretty much knew that already. I mean, it, it was it was obvious. But uh, after that, everything was pretty much in the rearview mirror, and um, yeah, you know, it worked out. That it did. Um, one thing our show is highly recognized for is our interview with Bruno's son, David Sammartino. May I ask you what went wrong in that relationship with Bruno and David? Yeah, um, that, that's something I, I'm not comfortable. Um, I'm not comfortable discussing, but, uh, you, you know, look, thing, everything isn't leave it to beaver, you know. I mean that's all that's all how, I could say and how about as a wrestling uh observer do you feel that David should have been given more of a push how about if I ask you that as a as a fan Well I mean David worked for me a few times I believe and uh 
I, I never had any issues or, or concerns with him. Um, you know, look, it, there's a lot of guys who have followed in their father's footsteps. Okay. Many of them didn't make it. Some right. of course have, mm-hmm. um, you know, I thought David was a, was a good talent and, uh, and so forth. Now, how big a push was he going to get? I mean, I don't know. Was he going to headline Madison Square Garden? I'm, you know, but, uh, you know, part of the problem is, I think, with guys, they have an expectation they want to go higher. Well, you know, if you don't get there, I guess it can get frustrating. But I never had any of these conversations with David. Since the last time he worked for me, I hadn't spoken with him. So, you know, I can't tell you what's going on in his uh, mind. What I can tell you is when he worked for me, there were no issues, no concerns whatsoever. He went in the ring, did what he had to do, and uh, I have nothing negative to say about about anything like that. Fair enough. Do you consider Bruno the greatest wrestler of all time? Um, well, you know, that's one of these terms that is, it depends on what you're looking at. If you're looking at longevity, if you're looking at the same arenas over and over and over, and being able to pack those arenas many times with very weak cards because the promoter knew that the people were really coming to see you. Now, Bruno didn't like that. And he told the old, the old man several times, he said, this is ridiculous. You've got to put more. He said, but I don't need more people. No, no, you're not going to cheat the fans. You're going to put better cards in the garden. It's just that simple. Very good. And, uh, you know, so if you look at that, I mean, look, the facts are facts. I mean, the guy never lost the belt. He gave it away. Matter of fact, he was going to quit and leave because his body needed to heal. Um, you know, who held the belt for as long as he did in in territories? And then, you know, when he lost it the first time, well, what happened? Well, Vince and his uh, father got in a plane, went to Pittsburgh and said, please come back. Now, can you imagine Vince McMahon getting on a plane going anywhere and asking? I mean, it's just no. not the way yeah. the way it goes. Yeah. And And why did they bring him in to begin with? He was more than happy in Toronto. He would have never called down there looking for a job. So, you know, when you look at it from the perspective, this is in uh, with Sergeant Slaughter. This is uh, in the back area in uh, Hamburg, uh, Pennsylvania. But, um, you know, those are the things I look at. Now, today, of course, you have tremendous merchandising and uh, so forth. Now, you know, I believe Bruno, Mickey Mays, and Willie, uh, sorry, Willie Mays and Mickey Mantle were the three highest paid athletes in the 60s. Mm-hmm. But even if you take that money that Bruno was making in those days, somewhere 100, 110, and put it into today's money, oh. it's not even close um, to uh, to what the top guys are making today. Well, why? Because of all the merchandising opportunities and all these other things. But if you're talking about being able to consistently put people in seats, he was probably the greatest attraction Ever. He was there month after month after month. He was in demand everywhere he went. And keep in mind, when you think about Madison Square Garden, all almost all of these guys that came in, unless it was a Harley Race or a Nick Bockwinkle, another world champion, these guys were basically put in opening matches. I don't care how hot they were in their own territory. They were put in opening matches. Anywhere Bruno went, he was brought in to be in the main event. You know, when you look at these facts, now the greatest wrestler, well, I don't know who the greatest wrestler is, but the one that had the most longevity, the ones the fans the fans believed in, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's Bruno San Martino all day long. For me, 
it is um, like the Babe Ruth of professional wrestling. But then you get into other eras. You get into a Hulk Hogan. I've known Hulk Hogan a long time. I consider him a friend. And I don't think there's anywhere on this planet you could go and Hulk Hogan not be recognized. Mm-hmm. You know, for what he was able to do for this business. Yep. The, um, you know, he's not a scientific wrestler to, you know, to be the greatest wrestler. But he transposed the whole thing, took it into a whole another, um, you know, area and, and the revenue that came from everything. I mean, so you've got to look at that. But really and truthfully, I've thought many times that Hulk may be the most recognizable person on the planet. I mean, where do you go where somebody doesn't know who this guy is? He certainly, I can't even walk down the street with Jimmy Hart without people screaming his name. Imagine walking down anywhere with uh, Hulk Hogan. With Hulk Hogan. <laughs> so, you know, you have different eras. You have different things. Like, who is the greatest baseball player, right? You mm. take somebody from the 30s, or do you look at somebody from today? You know, right. who, who knows? But for his time, Bruno was far and away the best. I mean, you know, he never would have – he if he didn't need to heal – because keep in mind, those were boxing rings they were working in, right? Right. They weren't real – they weren't wrestling. As a matter of fact, when Bruno came back and he worked in, in uh, one of the rings with the springs in it, when he got in the back, he said, guys, this is a trampoline. He said, if I had a ring like this, he said, I would have been champion for, for 20 years. Hmm. Interesting. You know, they that said, was the thing. They were in all the A shows. They were in all the B shows. If he had been given time to heal, mm-hmm. he would have probably not been hurt. But he would, they were working him every day. In the long run, it didn't make sense. Sal, you built a lot of relationships with these wrestlers. Of all these relationships, which one hurt you the most when they passed? Well, I mean, Bruno's Bruno was devastating. I mean, absolutely devastating. Um, you, you know, and I think uh, Davey O'Hannon will tell you the same thing, J.J. Dillon. Um, you, you know, I really kind of believe Bruno would outlive all of us. I think he knew he wouldn't. Um, but for the rest of us, I mean, he just seemed to be this, you know, unmovable thing that was there and would always be there. Um, you know, you're talking about, you know, I'd spend hours each week talking to him. And so, I mean, it's a huge, a huge change in, uh, in life. I mean, it really, uh, it really is. There, You know, um, obviously there's going to be other people I know unless I die first, this is going to come up. But for the amount of time I spent with Bruno, the work I did with him, you know, the other guys, you know, Jimmy Hart, Stan Lane, guys that I'm um, extremely close to uh, and, you know, talk to a great deal. I mean, they're young and, you know, uh, or at least virile and still going strong, you know. But Bruno was slowing down and he didn't want to travel anymore. And, um, you know, I, I think Bruno knew where we didn't that, you know, things, you know, this rheumatic fever, they say, you don't make it past 65 unless something kills you before. Rheumatic fever will take you by the time you're 65. But because Bruno was in such tremendous condition, he was able to last longer. Wow. Uh, Bane fan out there asks, did you have a relationship with Larry Zabisco? Um, I worked with Larry a lot over the years. Um, so, yes. Um, Larry's one of the first wrestlers I met outside the arena but as I became a referee, I worked with Larry a great deal, and uh, even in the Carolinas um, with uh, with Jim Crockett because Nikita Koloff got me in there. So when they came north 
Philadelphia, Virginia's, so forth. And of course, because I was such a huge Bruno fan, um, and I did a lot of the early matches, and Zabisco really didn't get a chance to do what he could have done there. But even in places um, down there, everybody was screaming Bruno and Zabisco all day long. And I would tell them the stories later when I met him, you know, it would just be Bruno, Bruno. Eventually, Zabisco would go out and take the microphone and say, Bruno sucks. And people just go nuts. This is nine or ten years after the angle. Right. I mean, he couldn't get away from it because it was the hottest thing there ever was. All right, Sal, we're out of time. I want to thank you for joining us. Again, is there anything you could promote out there? I do love your gimmick um, of you the know, big right cheese, now, by the, the way. Um, the book, we're happy with the way it came out. Um, people seem to be happy with it. There's a black and white version. There's a color version for people who want to know the real Bruno. Um, that's it. I always thank Colin Bowman for his contribution because, believe me, that made uh, made it. And the picture on the cover, The Thinker, that was Bruno's choice. He didn't give a whole lot of input other than tell the truth, but this is the picture he wanted on the cover, and this is the picture he got. That is a great cover. Thank great you cover. very much. Great. Sal, thank you again, and uh, thanks for coming on with such short notice. Ah, you're welcome. You guys have a great night. Be safe. You too. Thank you, Sal. Well, what'd you think? That was meaty meat and potatoes talking about the good old days, the Allentown tapings, Bruno's so Bisco. It's it's funny. Good stuff. It's funny how good someone stuff. someone can convince. Like, again, I'm not anti-Bruno, right? You know, I was a fan of Bruno. Oh, come on, of course. But of course, again, I I just didn't hold him as high regard as some other wrestlers. Okay. Right? To to enhance this even further was is we love Bruno until he started screwing with Finch. Yeah, pretty much, right. Let's, let's keep it simple. Pretty much. I agree. Good point. I'm with you. But I will say this. It's funny when you know when you meet someone that actually knew the person and yeah. you hear their insight oh, yeah. and their feelings, it kind of makes you go, mm, Really knew Bruno. Maybe you just don't know, of right? Course we and don't you're, you're know. coming in decisions that right. you really don't know what the truth is. Have I know. jumped to a conclusion? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Jumping to yeah, conclusions. I mean, he clearly knew Bruno very well and he was very fortunate, you know? Very cool. Very, Very cool. cool. Very cool. Talk about being in the industry. Yeah. Anyway, he, wanted, hey, he was in the business. He was in the business. I, you know, I wanted to ask him what Blassie and Albano and the Wizard were like. Well, you know, it's funny. I was going to bring up, did you know this story? And I just heard this recently. And that's why I say try to listen to some other shows every so often. Okay. Because they've got people that you never heard of. Right. Like, the, with respect to Sal, did yeah. you know Sal? You had no he was, And he was dropping names that did. Big <laughs> You're like, holy cow. Know. Who's the guy who helped Junior get going? That, but that's, I'm like, what? That's just what I'm saying. Very you cool. Like, so Very you listen cool. to some of these shows. You know when we hear about like the warrior yeah. holding up Vince McMahon right. for money? Right. Or this, that, or the other thing, right? Yeah. Especially the other thing. Funny thing is, did you know Zabisco yeah. held up Senior for Shea Stadium? Did and he that's really? why he left. When, I the, when, the run, he... when the run got done, right. Senior said, go See take ya. a hike. I was going to ask Sal about that, right. the, but it seems like Sal wasn't around at Junior that time. Junior was taking notes, too. Oh, you held my dad right. up? See ya. But, he, but here's the thing. Repeated From what warrior. I understand, Bruno turned to him and said, what are you doing? Right. And Larry goes, I'm going to get mine now. And Bruno goes, you're making a mistake. We can make money on this for, for years. years. And Larry says, I don't care. I want my money now. He was getting a divorce. He needed his money. 
you know, he ended up being okay. Did Larry obviously. make did Larry make a mistake? I don't know. That's a good one. Did Larry make a mistake? I'm gonna have to think about that one because he had such well, a great career. Went to AWA, no, he, was great. he was great. Got but, his belt, but was an announcer in WCW. Yeah, not sure yeah, he made he a mistake. He had a killer career. He did have a killer career. Had a killer career. So did he make a mistake? I don't know. I don't know either. Because we'll never know what it would have been like if he had remained in WWF. He would have been awesome if he would have remained. Don't you wish he would have? Not really. Why? I don't know. Let me tell you something. Larry Zabisco, when he slammed that chair over Bruno's head, was the biggest heel in the business by a mile. And he was such a great bad guy. I was only getting into it back then, but I always felt like, why didn't they let him wrestle Backlund more? Like, they let him beat Backlund at the Garden by Countdown or something. I got to be honest. I mean, I know that they were very steadfast in their ways to keep the belt on Bob and keep the belt on Bob and keep the belt on Bob. But right away, this is the early days of my fandom. I was confused that Zabisco didn't win the championship. Mm. He was primed and ready. Right. Yeah, he's, he should have. Good stuff. He should have Good won the stuff. championship. Bob could have taken it back eventually or something, but Larry was so hated. So hated. So, oh, my God. And he was BSO world, world says what Larry could have. Larry was world, Anyway, I thought Sal was wonderful. Um, yeah, he was. So glad was. to have him on. Anyway, we'll, we'll, we want everybody to join us at 3 o'clock on Saturday. Abe will be at the board again. Did a Abe, great good job. job, man. Great job. By the way, Abe's Jared chimed in from Puerto Rico. He said, Jared? this is everybody. Jared yeah. chimed in? Chimed Spidey! In. Yeah, absolute Spidey chimed Spidey, in. Spidey, do all the things I told you not to do. Oh, he's having fun, man. Uh, Spidey's killing it right he's now, knocking, I'm sure. He's knocking boots. I, I just heard Mamacita. He's having a good time. Anyway, Go we want to thank you guys, as always, for joining us. I hope you enjoyed that interview. Could Probably could have got more from Sal, but we got to... Well, fill our time with ourselves so often. Yeah, yeah, well, you know. And yeah. anyway, we made Sal's life because he finally got to be on Monty and the Pharaoh. So, I mean, that makes a big difference, too. I want to cover with you and me going like this. You really like that Bruno the, uh, picture. The, the, that's a killer I want a picture with me in this shirt. No, I need another pair of shades to go over these shades. That thing is bright. All right, guys, we love you. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Uh, Jared says he's got you, Jimmy. Jared, viva Puerto Rico. Go, Spidey, shoot the webs. Jared's getting himself some fajitas. <laughs> Jared's right shooting the webs. He's eating some fajitas. <laughs> All right, this has been Long Island's number one pro wrestler broadcast. RJ, thank you so much. RJ. We'll see you on Saturday, 3 p.m. Sinister Minister and uh, what's her name? Max the Impaler. There you go. I'm frightened. You've been get, watching. You're going to get some. Not from Get Nessa. Some. Not from Get Max. Some. Not from. I don't want to be impaled. She's uh. That's by, your problem. What is that? She's what? Ja- uh, Abe, what is that called? By not bisexual. What? By by gender. What curious. Is by cuspids? No. By curious. Not by curious. By either. curious. By, someone help me out there. <laughs> from what I understand, she Bicentennial. is. Bicentennial. No. Oh, she that was is a long by, time ago. Bilineal? I don't know. No one's any help out there either, guys. Come on now. Anyway, send us out. You've been watching Monty and the Pharaoh until Saturday. Maria, we love you. Maria. Later!